0: Hello everyone, I'm Hazel Staff. And I'm Theron Staff. And you're listening to Leave Us Alone, a podcast about books and tea. Every week we sit down for a cup of
1: tea and talk about the book that we have been reading.
0: Or, um, you know, not reading.
1: At all. Not reading. We've not really been reading.
0: We've read some.
1: I read the first five chapters of this book in the past hour or so. Mm.
0: And I read the first five chapters of this book over the past two weeks very slowly.
1: We have been busy.
0: So the book that we are referring to is "Welcome to Night Vale" by Joseph Fink and Jeffrey Craner.
1: Do you want to take that again? Yep. All right.
0: By Joseph Fink and Jeffrey Craner. Indeed. Also known for writing the, um, what do you call it, as uh, a, a pod po- podcast?
1: I mean, I was going to wait. Until chapter three and a half to bring up, is it too meta to read slash talk about a podcast book on a podcast? (laughs) But we can do it now if you want to. (laughs)
0: Yeah, you can waste time with me. No, you
1: brought it up. Is it too weird? Is that why we haven't been reading? I know we've been busy, but we could have found some time Mm -hmm. to read if we had wanted to.
0: (laughs) It could be. That might be it. I mean, really, I haven't been reading because last week I was working on uh, D&D the whole time, basically. Mm-hmm. So that's why I didn't read last week, and this week it's just gotten around to my weekend. So. Yeah,
1: we've been doing stuff for other podcasts. We've been working on an actual play show that we're hoping to release sometime in the near future, and we're working on... ...stuff. To to happen, that's a secret. We can't that's a secret. That. You
0: shouldn't be talking about that.
1: <laughs> okay, we've been working on a uh, actual play show that we're doing, and some secret projects, also D and D related. Shh, they're secret. <laughs> uh, and also all the usual stuff. And I had work and summer reading is coming up at the library, and that's always hellish. And there are all these craft projects that I still haven't done, so I haven't been reading.
2: Mm-hmm,
1: but mm-hmm. I am enjoying the book. Uh, I've read it before, which is another issue for me, I think, maybe.
0: Probably. <laughs> I have not read it. Um, I have read these first five chapters, and uh, it took me a while to get the Night veil vale feel from it. Like oh, yeah? it's, it's written by the same people and everything, but I wasn't quite getting there. You know, um, there's there's that Cecil Baldwin voice and I was having trouble well, getting it.
1: I think that the first chapter does a decent job of doing the whole Night Vale setup, but I also think that it's a little, I can't think of the word, but basically um, sentimental or something like that. Like it's, it feels like it's, it's poking inside jokes at you more than giving you the information you need as a reader who hasn't listened to the show. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I don't, I don't think it's just because I've listened to the show. I think it's, it's not as perfectly done as it could have been to get you into the Night Vale mood.
0: Yes. Um, It definitely feels like to me that it's expecting you to know Night Vale and Night Vale vibe.
1: However, I think that chapter two brings you into the Night Bell vibe very well.
0: Hmm. What happens in chapter two?
1: Chapter two starts with one of my favorite descriptions or non-descriptions in the book. It Mm -hmm. goes on about a house and how it is like and unlike other houses and by being that it's the same as every house. Um, As a person who does not visually picture things mm-hmm. when I'm reading uh, it works for me real good <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because like I see a house and I don't have in my mind a picture of anything I don't have a mind's eye I just am like I know what a house is and so saying it's just like every other house I'm like yes <laughs> because a house is a house it's just words
0: mm-hmm. yeah is that the chapter that has the uh The imagination exercise? When you're
1: supposed to imagine the the teenage boy? Yes. Yeah. My next note is I do not like that section. Mm. Because it's like, imagine a teenage boy. No. 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 A little closer, but still not quite right. And then it describes Josh, who's Mm -hmm. one of the characters. That doesn't work for somebody who doesn't picture things.
0: (laughs) Yes. Um... I enjoyed the game. I can't really picture things, but, uh, you know, I can change things around a bit in word descriptions in my mind.
1: Well, that's the thing. I enjoyed
0: playing that game a little bit.
1: While I am reading, I'm not going to pause to go like, well, now he's a boy with blonde hair and he's kind of chubby. Uh, Now he is a boy who's really tall and thin and wears glasses. I'm not going to stop and do that. I'm just reading a list of no's. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So.
0: Yeah. Um. So I started out just reading a list of no's, and then I was like, okay, this isn't how you're really supposed to do this, and it's not how it's going to make this section enjoyable. So I started actually playing along and stopping and going, okay, well, here's what I think now. Oh, oh, okay, well, here's – and uh, I, don't know, I kind of like that interactive element, but if you're just used to reading regular books, it doesn't really work that well.
1: Well, I think that most people picture things. I think that we're in a tiny minority of people who don't have a mind's eye. And I personally can put myself into the mood of, like, picture something. It doesn't matter what it looks like. And then having to shift and shift and shift and shift. And and then have a description that explains, oh, this boy has an ever-shifting appearance. Mm -hmm. So, like, I understand how it would work and I can almost get there, but not quite.
0: Yeah. Um... Cool. So I have no notes. Okay. Because I did not take notes. Um, Basically what I got from this so far is that it is a Night Vale book. And um, it took me a little while to get into it, which is probably also a little bit of why I haven't read a bit more.
1: Well, I know that you have trouble with shifting character perspectives. And the way that this book works is... It starts with Jackie and shifts to Diane and goes back and forth and back and forth from chapter to chapter with occasional break-ins from radio shows with Cecil. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I can see why that would be hard for you to get into, but I like that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, it just just took a few chapters for me to uh, really get the feel of it. Um, It helps that the plot started to be introduced. That's helpful to me.
1: Well, the plot is very much introduced in the first chapter.
0: Well, that's true.
1: What basically happens is Jackie is a 19 year old girl and she's been 19 for an indefinite amount of time Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and works at the pawn shop. And she has, she lives by this routine. Um, And then one day the man in the tan jacket comes in and he hands her a slip of paper that says King City on it. And all of a sudden she can't get rid of the slip of paper. She tries all sorts of stuff. She tries to eat it. She tries to wash it away in the shower Uh, And she's watching it be destroyed and feeling herself eating it. But then the next time she looks at her hand, it's back in there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And so that is a a catalyst for her hero's journey. Basically, it's a very straightforward hero's journey story.
0: (laughs) Now we know that the paper is kind of weird or that she's being weird um, to start out with in like chapter one or Mm -hmm. whatever. And that's not revealed until chapter 4 or something like that. Actually, several every other chapter, it has to be 3 or 5.
1: It's it's true that the specific incidents I cited there are in chapter 5. Mm-hmm.
0: But she, there were weird things in chapter 1.
1: Yeah, and it builds up like that. Yes. And the thing about the man in the tan jacket is that that's all you can really remember about him. Mm-hmm. So you know something weird is going on. And if you've been listening to the show, you know that the man in the tan jacket is weird because... Um, I looked this up. He was introduced as a character that nobody can really remember beyond the man in the tan jacket carrying a deerskin suitcase. Uh, So he was introduced Mm -hmm. in episode 14 uh, and remained a recurring minor character until the book, um, which was released right after episode 75. Mm. So like a 50 episode story arc, which is a whole geek. No, it's two years for Night It's released every two weeks. It's two years of build-up on this.
0: Yeah, Night uh basically all long build-up.
1: That's what podcasting is, really. Mm. Um, I mean, we're writing interference. Mm-hmm. Have, has anything happened yet?
0: Not really.
1: The first major plot point just happened in episode 10.
0: <laughs> episode 10 being... I guess plot-wise it is episode 10. There's a mini-episode, but yeah, uh, that's earlier and not terribly important to the storyline.
1: Well, it's important to the characters, it's but it's not important yeah. to the story. Um, it's not important to the romance or anything like that. It's mm-hmm. just important to learn a little bit more about Geneva. Yes.
0: So what were we talking about? Cause I forgot.
1: We were talking about the man in the tan jacket and how he is this character who's been built up over two years. And if you come into the book, having listened to the podcast, it's much more meaningful, uh, than if you had, not especially if you read it at the time, um, which I had, I pretty much started listening to welcome to night Vale in 2012 when it started, like not right at the first episode, but mm-hmm. probably within the first five. Yeah. I probably listened to the first 20, maybe a little bit less. Um, And then sort of gave up on it. But last year or the year before, I saw this book at the store and I was like, I should get that. And then I listened to the podcast up to episode 75 and read the book. So that's my mindset in it. And if you have started the book now after listening to further Ignite Veil than that, it's a little weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you haven't listened to the show at all, it's probably a little bit confusing.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I don't. I'm not sure what episode I stopped at because I kind of remember a thing that sounded like it was introducing the book, and then there's also an episode where they're just all like, "Hey, go read the book. Read, read, yeah. read, read the book," which I think might be later than
1: that. Well, the read the book episode is almost definitely seventy five or seventy six. Okay. And I definitely didn't listen that long. I believe, now that I'm looking at it, I'm seeing the words Parade Day. (laughs) I think that when Parade Day came out, that was when I was finally so far behind listening to it that I was like, yeah, I have to unsubscribe to this. And Mm. I didn't listen to podcasts for years after that. Do you want to talk about minutiae, or would you like to talk about characters? Uh. Because there are a lot of minutia, but also I really enjoy the characters.
2: Okay,
0: um, let's talk about characters, I guess. But first, let's talk about tea.
1: Oh yeah, tea! Uh, today, I am drinking iced tea. It is from the store. It's pure leaf, unsweetened, black iced tea. Hazel does not like iced tea because she is southern, which means that she was brought up thinking that the word tea is associated with iced tea. Uh... <laughs> When that is false. And iced tea is pushed too hard (laughs) down there. Um, Whereas here, tea is hot tea. And uh, iced tea is like a special treat in the summer.
0: Yes. Actually, I... Actually, I was going to bring up a similar thing. Yeah? Because you're having iced tea, which is... Which I got super sick of because we just drink it all the time. Mm -hmm. And I got to where I couldn't stand it, really. And I am drinking hot Lipton tea with a ton of sugar, um, which I acquired a taste for when my mother introduced it to me. Which I had no idea until I was in high school sometime that hot tea was an option. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> Which is so ridiculous. It's crazy,
0: isn't it? Uh-huh. Um, and we made it by putting tea bags into uh, a coffee maker, really. So we ended up with a lot of burnt tea, and I have a sweet tooth anyway. So um added a lot of sugar to it, and I still enjoy having it that way sometimes. So I'm drinking a cup of Lipton, uh, regular Lipton, orange pico tea. Uh, with more than a tablespoon of sugar. Not, not tablespoon. I said that wrong.
1: Woo! More
0: than a teaspoon of sugar.
1: You frightened me.
0: I did used to drink drinking jars with a tablespoon or more in it. Of course the tea was also burnt. That's a gross. Um, but no, it's not gross. It's really good.
1: It's icky. I think that everything about the way that Southerners drink tea is disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) This story is horrifying. The existence of sweet tea is the worst. Like, I am a big drinker of Coke, which is a very sweet beverage. Sweet tea is too much for me. (laughs) I cannot deal with sweet tea. It's like drinking maple syrup.
0: It's delicious, except I don't really like sweet iced tea because I don't like iced tea at all anymore. Um, I had a sip of yours the other day. and Yeah, it... you
1: stole a sip. Yeah, it's
0: it's all right, I guess. It might be okay with sugar. Maybe I could drink it again.
1: I do prefer iced tea with a little sugar when I make it at home, but mm-hmm. if you buy sweetened iced tea, it is too sweet for me. Mm-hmm. So I just get unsweetened, and that is fine.
0: So your tea is, uh, I don't know, beer colored?
1: It's tea colored.
0: I mean, beers are all different kinds of colors, too, so...
1: Well, I mean, if you want to say it's beer-colored, then yeah, it looks like a Newcastle.
0: (laughs) Hmm. My tea is probably a very similar color, but I drink it out of a black mug, so I couldn't really tell you.
1: It kind of smells like a Newcastle, too.
0: (laughs) Weird. Hmm. Not bad. Could maybe use a bit more sugar. Tea is an excellent conveyance of sugar.
1: Actually, that's a thing. From Little House in the Prairie. Uh, not that particular book, but somewhere in the series, there is a supply shortage. I don't think it's during the Long Winter, but it's a normal supply shortage where they're out of sugar when they go to the store. And Laura is like, well, Pa, why did you get sugar? You don't need sugar for your tea. And he's like, well, the, the tea brings out the sweetness and the sugar.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and now I know that that's because they were Southerners. <laughs> mm. So Characters
0: characters
1: okay um so let's talk about jackie
0: jackie she's the first character introduced in the book she is she owns a pawn shop she kind of owns a pawn shop she runs it she runs the pawn shop
1: do you did you pick up on how she closes down the pawn shop
0: i did she kind of sweeps up and cleans up everything like you would expect huh. and then um she takes off the doors yeah
1: so that nobody can unlock them.
0: Uh huh. I think she locks them and locks takes them Locks them off. and
1: takes them out. But then there's no door, hon. There's no door if there's no door. Mm-hmm. Anybody can just go in. Well,
0: there's also no doorway. Um, people do not just come to this pawn shop anyway. Sure. They don't just walk up to the pawn shop and come in. Yeah,
1: you they need just, to need it. Yeah,
0: you, you have to kind of need it and then you just kind of show up there.
1: Did you notice that right in Chapter 1, uh, Jackie and Diane meet?
0: I did, yes. Yeah. Diane is one of the people who teleports into the pawn shop.
1: Yeah, she comes to the pawn shop.
0: You don't teleport out of the pawn shop, though. You need the doors to exit. <laughs> uh,
1: she sells a single tear
0: on a handkerchief. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she takes the $11. Most people don't take the $11. Yep. Uh, Jackie always offers first $11 to whoever is pawning an item uh, as her first offer. And most people do not end up taking that, but Diane did.
1: Yes, that's an interesting pivot. Also, everything in the pawn shop is priced at $11. No
0: matter how much she buys it for. Yeah. Um, And she doesn't necessarily deal in just currency. Like, she gives somebody a good night's sleep.
1: mm -hmm. I would say she deals more in non-currency. Yes. (laughs) Um, But how about her as a person. What do you think? Do you have enough information yet?
0: I'm not sure if I do. So I know that she is a 19 year old who has been 19 years old for a lot longer than 19 years, probably.
1: Yeah. The The main clue that you have as to how old she is is her radio. Mm. She has this radio. It's the new Portable light model, less than 14 pounds, and it's basically like a, a 1920s radio unit, and she got it for her 16th birthday or something like that.
0: So, we also don't know what time it is in Nightvale, but.
1: Time being funny in Nightvale is a, a constant thing. Yes,
0: time being weird in Nightvale is a thing, and it seems like this book is going to address some of that, though um, I do not expect it to resolve it.
1: I mean, I can tell you.
0: I mean, you could, but I'm not asking. <laughs>
1: well, I mean, you know it's not going to resolve it, but it mostly only deals with time in terms of Jackie.
0: Mm-hmm. That's, that's what
1: I'm going to tell you.
2: Okay.
0: So, yeah, I know that, and um, I really like the Moonlight All Night. And I don't know why diner's never in there. Why don't they ever say Moonlight All Night Diner like they do in the show? It's just like the Moonlight All Night.
1: They say both. Which I thought was weird. No, they um, say both.
0: They, I guess they do, but.
1: Um. So the main thing with Jackie is that she is my character from my young adult novel, Bunny. Um. Everything is about she. She loses her routine in the first chapter when she gets this piece of paper, and that has fucked up her entire life because if she doesn't have her routine, then she's just a teenager who doesn't age, and what is that? Mm-hmm. Um, And I think that that's a really interesting perspective because obviously uh, by shaking up this routine, Jackie is going to start growing up mm-hmm. and that's what the book is going to be about. And I really like how just blatantly they're using the story, the monomyth, whatever you want to say mm-hmm. uh, for Jackie.
0: Yes. And I'm, in the last chapter we read, chapter five, her mother calls her and she almost starts crying, which she's, I think she does start crying a little bit. She
1: starts crying and she's like, I can't remember the last time I
0: cried. Yeah. Um, so I'm interested in what's going on there as well.
1: Mm-hmm. I think that it takes her a little while to decide to go visit her mom. But Mm -hmm. when she does, I think that that's when you learn all of the time shit that's going on with Jackie. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: At the end of chapter five, Jackie's mom calls her and she's supposed to go see her, but instead she's going to go see Aldo and Josie because Mm -hmm. of the angels. Uh,
0: Because she uh, has that paper that we were talking about mm -hmm. earlier that says King City on it that just will not leave. And so she's going to go talk to Old Woman Josie and her angels, who are not really angels.
1: Um, oh, no, they're definitely
0: angels. Well, yeah, but... Angels don't no exist. Such, angels don't exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um,
1: I love the way that that was used in this book, um, because Old Woman Josie and the angels, I'm pretty sure, is set up in episode one of Welcome to Night Vale. Uh, and they're sort of important in this, but they're still mostly... Like tertiary characters, they're just something that sort of flows through Night Vale, like always there when you need it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I like that.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure if the angels showed up in the first episode. That they might have. Old woman Josie has definitely been around the whole time.
1: I'm pretty sure. I I don't think we learned much about the angels in the first episode, but I think we did learn about them and how they do not exist and how they live at Olam and Josie's house.
2: That could well be.
1: The angels were invented to be part of this same storyline as the man in the tan jacket, because the first mention of the angels is episode 14. Same as him.
0: Mm. <laughs> I thought that they'd come later. I've listened to it more recently than you. Mm-hmm. so Yeah, that's yeah.
1: true. I mean, I listened to the beginning last summer. I'm very attached to the first, like, big story that they do with the library because of obvious reasons. <gasps> what? <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's it's been a little bit longer.
0: All right. So would you like to move on to the next main character? Or would yeah. you like to move on to the man in the tan jacket who shows up next?
1: I don't think that we really have enough information on the man in the tan jacket to talk about him yet.
0: Probably not. Um,
1: I don't think that we even know that his suitcase is full of flies yet.
0: Yeah, I don't think. Well, <laughs> people who have listened to the podcast know that his suitcase is full of flies. Yeah, but, but I don't think in the book that People who have read the book do not know that yet. Um, but he basically shows up to the pawn shop and he pawns off a piece of paper that he has written King City on. And that piece of paper is what starts this whole quest. He tells Jackie several times his name when she asks, and she keeps forgetting it. it it's always, different
1: every time. It always starts with an E.
0: It always starts with an E, but it is different every time. Mm-hmm. And that is basically all we know about the man in the tan jacket right now. Yep. Um, except uh, it seems like he might be the missing Evan from uh, Diane Creighton's world, but I'm not yes. sure.
1: The Evan, his name starts with an E, mm-hmm. but... Is never described as having the tan jacket and the deerskin suitcase. Mm -hmm. Um, It describes his teeth a lot, which is very unsettling for me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But it's, I think they're the same, but even knowing what happens in the whole book, I'm not sure.
0: Yeah. Uh, He disappeared mysteriously.
1: And seems (laughs) to never have existed.
0: Yes, yeah. which um, lends to the fact that nobody can remember this guy. Mm-hmm. So they seem like they might be the same person, but we will have to read on to see. Yes. So.
1: Diane? Diane. Diane is also, I think, going to have a hero's journey, but she is a grown-up. She's probably in her 40s. She has a teenage son.
0: Yeah, she's a grown-up. She's a super boring grown-up.
1: She's very boring, yes. Um She's a single mom. She used to work at the uh, at Rico's Pizza, but it didn't make enough money after she got divorced or her husband left her or whatever. Uh, so she got a job doing databases, and she likes it. Uh,
0: <laughs> she got the job by lying on her application, saying that she could do it. And once she Teaching
1: got herself, yeah,
0: yeah. And once she got the job, she basically it sounded like she struggled at it for a little while and then just kind of instantly learned it as the career sank into her bones. As, <laughs> that's, um,
1: that's not the impression I got. This happens get. in Night
0: vale. um, <laughs> That's the impression I got. So.
1: Okay well I, I like that impression but it's not the one that I got. Um, oh so she's sort of I think that probably she's set up to be relatable to your average aging internet nerd. Like she has this job But she does the job to support her passion, which is raising her son, which is kind of boring too, but still Mm -hmm. she does the job to support what she's passionate about. Um, And she's kind of shy and she doesn't have any friends at work because she's distant from them, so she doesn't get pulled in to the office communication standard stuff. Um, And she doesn't go to that because she's not really interested. It says that maybe she's shy, maybe she's socially lazy. How do you know if you never really have to do it? (laughs) Um, So I think that at this point in my life, I relate much more strongly with Diane than with Jackie. Uh, Mm. I mean, I'm between them in age, basically, and I'm never going to be a mom, but Mm -hmm. I work to support my passion. I'm never going to be friends with my coworkers, that kind of thing. I'm also probably the type of person who would notice that somebody uh, just mysteriously stop showing up to work when nobody else would. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Well, now that's kind of weird, because I'm not really interested in Diane at all, and I'm super interested in you. <laughs> um, Anyway, Diane is pretty boring, and so far, we don't really know too much about her. I mean, we know about her family. I guess we know stuff about her. It's just pretty boring. And it what seems like mostly she's being used as a plot device at the moment to... Get this mystery about Evan and whether or not that's the same character or not.
1: Well, that's definitely not how she's used. What do you think about her relationship with her son?
0: Uh, her relationship with her son is realistic. Very
1: realistic, yes. Um, I really liked I feel like they chose the quintessential teenage moment of her teaching him how to drive
2: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> uh, and they did it really well. I like that it says that Josh thinks it's really important to look cool while driving, but couldn't quite articulate why. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And I like that it's like, it's extra difficult because it's a stick shift, but then like the stick shift thing is even more complicated (laughs) than a normal stick shift because you have to like whisper a secret into the cup holder and stuff. I really liked that scene a lot. Um, And I like that Josh is ever shifting because I mean, it's, like, allegorical, mm-hmm. but I like it.
0: Yeah, all of that stuff uh, really makes a lot of sense. It's all fantastical and weird, but also in a way that's just, like, yeah, that's completely normal.
1: Yeah, like, uh, Jackie leaves work and she sees that the um, mysterious hooded figures are sitting in the car taking pictures of her, so she waves at them. Like, all of this fantastic stuff just sort of brought down to a normal level. And that's mm-hmm. what I like about this series, generally. Yes. <laughs> minutia? Or do sure. you have something else? I do
0: not have add? anything else. We can go into Minutia.
1: Oh! Okay. The importance of looking cool while driving was one of my Minutia. Mm. Uh, in that some, same scene, um, it's sort of not exactly in the driving scene, but it's in the surrounding. It says that Josh asks, why can't dad teach me to drive because he knows it will hurt her Mm -hmm. and I like the inclusion of the concept of saying things because you know that it will hurt the person like somebody might say that's like the imp of the perverse like you say a thing because you know that it sucks Mm -hmm. you know that you shouldn't Um, and I think that's really important to the character of Josh like he's not A huge character in the book, but, like, he is a teenager, and that is an important way to establish it.
0: Yes. He says that because he knows it's going to hurt her, but he's also...
1: Authentically interested?
0: Well, no, he also feels squicky about saying it, basically. Mm. Like, he doesn't feel good about saying it. Oh, yeah. They just kind of drive on in an awkward silence, both of them feeling bad that he said it. Mm -hmm. Um, But... He basically has to say it to be, you know, cool and antagonize his mom because he's a hip teen.
1: I don't even know if it's to be cool.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure if it's exactly f- that, but it seems like an element. Teens are, are complex. so
1: Yeah, teens are complicated. Um, I feel like even as an adult, I have moments like this, like something comes into my head and I'm like, I should definitely say this, even though it's going to ruin everything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) In the voice of Night Vale section, it goes into Cecil's voice. I think the first time I read it, that's when I finally settled into the book because Mm -hmm. it was the right familiar tone. Yes, that
0: was... I thought that that was weird that that was there, but I enjoyed it.
1: Well, I think that it blended well because it had just been Jackie is having her chapter and it talks about her radio it and does, how yes. everyone listens to Cecil and then Cecil appears in the next uh, mini chapter. Mm-hmm. Or um, so I think it works. And I think that it's a good way to get you into that right thing. Cause I can, uh, I've listened to so much Night Vale that I can, I can hear Cecil's voice in my head when I'm reading that. I listened with you recently to the episode where they read the first chapter of this book yep. and Cecil reads it and that seemed weird to me after having read the book because I knew that there were those Cecil chapters
0: yeah that was a little weird um also uh I reread the first chapter even though I'd listened to it not too long ago I think that's where I was getting confused because they read the first chapter and then it was a long time before they got to the episode where they're like hey go read the book
2: Mm -hmm.
0: I listened to that with you and then I came in and I read the first chapter and I didn't hear the first chapter in Cecil's voice, which is a little interesting. And maybe that kind of disconnect with where 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 is this? Where is this tone at well, that made me have difficulty getting into it?
1: Probably because the character is a woman, I hear it in a feminine voice. Like if I were to pick a character from Welcome to Nightville, I'd probably be hearing it in um Dana's voice. Mm. There's something I was gonna say. Oh, um, there's that whole section in that chapter about sentience. Like, sand is sentient, the desert oh, yes. is sentient, mm-hmm. we are not. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I have more to say about it than that. But I like, I like when the show does a list like that.
0: Yeah, that was interesting. And I'm not really sure quite what the point of that is, other than it being interesting.
1: Well, on the show, like when you're listening to the podcast, it's at least partly a rhythmic thing. It's like you get into almost a trancey this is the night-veiled mindset of dun da da da, da, da.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Written, it's a little different because you can go back and read again if you don't fully process something.
0: Yeah, I enjoyed that, but it was also a little weird. Um, I like how the things seem to have an order like similarly related items. And then suddenly there's something in it that's different. Um, I mean, that's a, a common thing, a common trick, mm-hmm. but it's enjoyable still.
1: Yeah. I guess this is a small thing, but it also ties back into the whole mono myth coming of age story thing. At the end of chapter three, Jackie is sitting in her car and it says like, and Jackie announced her intentions, as all Nightvale residents are supposed to do. And she says, "Like I'm going to go find the man in the tan jacket and make him take this fucking piece of paper back, basically. <laughs> and the less I can learn in the process, the better." <laughs> um, and I think that that was a really funny way to do that, like setup.
0: I really like that she's talking to somebody in the diner. And she's like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go find this guy. I'm going to talk to everybody I think might, who I think might know about it. And the guy's like, did you, did you say guy and man in a tan jacket? And just like, she's not talking to him. Like uh-huh. she could be asking this guy since he seems interested yeah. in the guy with the tan jacket, uh-huh. but she's not doing that.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that that is a very important character moment for her, like as a teenager, And just as her, as this person who's stuck, because she's going to, I'm going to go do this thing. And like, she has a great starting point and she's just ignoring it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: I really like that moment. So what else she got on there? Um,
1: I really like that. It said that she got out of the shower, just like everyone else, clean and a little lonely. (laughs) I think that's a good way to describe the shower experience. Hmm. I feel like even if you shower with another person, you still emerge clean and a little lonely.
0: <laughs> maybe a little less clean, but yeah, uh,
1: equally clean, possibly more lonely.
0: <laughs> mm. Yeah, night bells full of weird little
1: bits like bits like that. Like that. Yeah, maybe ephemera is a better word than minutia. Maybe. <laughs>
0: uh speaking of the shower thing mm-hmm. i really like the introduction of the idea in here of when you're taking a shower you're just like hearing in those, those wonderful thoughts yeah those wonderful ideas that you're having or those weird ideas that you're having while you're in the shower they're they're not your ideas that's what the house is thinking
1: of. Mm-hmm.
0: uh i really i really enjoyed that yeah. idea
1: yes i like um in the scene that set up the whole house thing about how it's it kept playing with your expectations like it's it described what a house is and then it was like uh it would be really weird to assume that a house has a mind and a soul of course it does but don't assume things like that (laughs) like i like that that's good
0: how much more shower related stuff do you think we can fit in this book
1: into this book or into this episode of our podcast because i have another one
0: (laughs) (laughs) In in into this book, I mean, I mean, if we there, we've already racking up three.
1: There have been three showers.
0: Well, we've just mentioned two, and you said you had a third one.
1: Oh well, it's the same shower. The thing that she was doing with the paper in the
0: shower—that
1: mm-hmm. is a vanishing spell. Like I've I've done that spell, I've read that spell before, and mm. it's failing for her. Mm-hmm. And I love that. <laughs>
0: So when we first get introduced to this piece of paper, it just seems like she might.
1: (laughs) Sorry, talking about the piece of paper as a character is great.
0: Go. Yes. (laughs) When we first get introduced to this piece of paper, we think that she might just be this kind of absent-minded and just like picking it back up without noticing it. Mm -hmm. Or like she's she's clinging to this piece of paper some for some reason. Maybe her mind's been affected in some way. Um, but later we learned that that's simply not the case. It's not her mind that's being played with. The paper is actually reappearing in her hand, whether it's destroyed or whether it's locked up somewhere mm-hmm. or whatever. It's it jumps back to her hand.
1: Well, it depends. Like it's obviously a magical or whatever thing, mm-hmm. but let's bring it to D&D, it's obviously a mind-affecting spell. Like, I'm not sure that the piece of paper really exists. Hmm. I think that she thinks there's a piece of paper in her hand.
0: See, that's what I thought originally, but now I think it is actually a piece of paper, and it's just magical in a different way.
1: Okay. Uh, but the mind-affecting part, you don't argue, right? Because, like, she can't write anything but king city mm-hmm. like yeah it's, it's, it's doing everything it can to make her focus on those words
2: mm-hmm.
1: which is interesting yes um do we want to talk about just sort of night veil vale and how like shadow governments and uh every conspiracy theory is real and it's mm-hmm. not a big deal uh, information is forbidden. You can't write anything down with pens or pencils because they're illegal. The librarians are monsters. Or do you want to wait until we have more to work on? <laughs>
0: um, we can talk about that stuff if you would like. You're going to start it off because I'm not any good at that. But I can talk about it once it's going.
1: I think it might be easier once we go forward with the story to talk about that. But that's a really important thing for me that I would like to discuss later. All right. And I think that we may have exhausted the topics that are available in the first 40, 5 chapters 40 pages of this book.
0: <laughs> so that's going to be it for us. If you want to read along next week we'll be reading this book, Welcome to Night Vale by Joseph Fink and Jeffrey Craner. To tell us your thoughts you can contact us on Twitter at Cast, or email us at leafusalone.cast at gmail.com
1: Also, I would like to thank the Freak Fandango Orchestra for providing music for all of my podcasts. <laughs> In this one, we use Hitman's Love Song as our theme. Uh, you can and should download well their music at freakfandango.camp.com can also listen to it on Spotify, which I do not recommend because that's not very nice. Bye! Bye!